0: Grace Peace and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a Star Wars podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. I'm Steve Renault, And I am Nick Milky. Well, Nick, we had something really cool happen over the last uh, day or two, really. Uh, normally when we talk about news, Nick, it's like weeks to months to years old. But no, this one is <laughs> hours old. And that is that IGN uh, dropped... The first chapter of the new Project Luminous, or the High Republic, Mm -hmm. uh, on their website. Uh, And so the first chapter of the first book is The Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell. And so you can head over to IGN and read that chapter. Uh, But before we dive into it, there's other news going on. Nick, what is uh, a piece of news that you're excited about other than this piece of news, which we'll dive (laughs) deeper Um, into? I would say, other than this piece of
1: news, there has been some toy announcements in the last um, several days. For those oh, really? who are collectors, um, Hasbro, which you know took over from Kenner all those years ago, or bought out Kenner all those years ago, they had a little announcement this past Monday, announcing some things. And in, in the toy collecting world these days, you have a couple of different levels of stuff. You have the Black Series figures that are six inch and that's and are the really top of the line, right? Yeah, they're kind of the top of the line, really detailed, lots of Mm -hmm. molding and modeling. Um, Sometimes they may come with different hands or different faces or heads so that you can interchange and create the expression you want. Um, In the last couple of years, they have also done the retro collection figures, which are like a re-release based on the original 70s and 80s figures. And with it being the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back, we've seen a bunch of those. We've also got the vintage collection which is also three and three quarter inch, but they're kind of in between like those retro reproductions and that black series, which is kind of the really high end um, figures. And so they've done some of those. And so the announcement that was made on Monday, because with the vintage collection, they've also done some vehicles and playsets along the way. There's been a vintage collection tie fighter in the last couple of years. And what we saw on Monday is they have announced a vintage collection Bespin carbon freeze chamber playset. And Uh it it has been released to Mixed Emotions because it is very basic. It's a set of stairs. It's half of a circle with the round part in it where the carbon freeze chamber was. And it comes with one carded Stormtrooper and it comes with a Han and Carbonite block. But that's it. And so if you want the entire set, you actually have to buy two so that the two half circles will connect. Um, Oh, and it's not super detailed, and that's been some of the critique that has been about it is, um, you know, it's just not a whole lot. It's going to be, I think, $50. You can pre-order it now, so it's available for pre-order on Amazon and some of those places. But it's just been, I think, with some of these figures more recently and with collectors because it's a lot of times the toys now are much more about collectors than they are about when we were kids and it was just a toy mm-hmm. to play with. Um, so there's automatically some critique. There's automatically some feelings. I think the fun part of the news that came out of that announcement on Monday is they have announced that there's going to be another HasLab project that will be announced in the fall. And if you remember, the previous HasLab project for Star Wars was the Jabba Sail Barge, which was, I think it retailed for about $500. Um, oh, jeez! It was scale to size for your three and three-quarter inch figures, but it's Java's wholesale barge. It's got cutaways. It's got the chambers. It's got all the different stuff. And I think it is six or seven feet long. Like it's gigantic and like it comes in a big box. And my <laughs> good friend Chad Gibbs over in Auburn um, scored one and it was basically done almost on like a Kickstarter mode. Like if enough people signed up for it and they reached a certain threshold, then it would go into production and you would be, rece- you know, pre ordered one. Oh, wow. Um, so my buddy and Chad in Auburn it named Chad in Auburn has one, but he has not unboxed it yet. And every now and then I kind of give him grief and I'm like, you need to let me come over there and we just need to open that (laughs) thing up. But he doesn't have a lot of room for it because he also has in his study and collectors area, the USS flag from GI Joe, the battleship or the aircraft carrier. And, um, it is seven feet, seven inches long and it takes up one entire wall in his office. So he's had to make some choices when it comes to his toys. So it's exciting that that's – so the announced HasLab project for this fall, the only announcement has been that there will be another one, but we don't know what Mm -hmm. it's going to be yet. So there's a lot of speculation on what is that going to be, what is the next project going to be. And I guess – I think I have decided my official guess is that they're going to do the blockade runner. Um, Mm. I would love to see a good scale blockade runner that – fit those three and three quarter inch figures. Um, That was one of the few ships we never got in the original
0: toy Mm -hmm. line.
1: And in fact, um, I was rewatching, there's a great documentary on Amazon called plastic galaxy. It's a little Mm -hmm. over an hour and it's about the history of star Wars toys and all that. And that's one of the ones they have production models and sketches of the blockade runner, the Tantive four that never got produced and, you know, became a toy that was available. So I could see that being, the one they do so exciting toy news, I guess is the is the route that I'm taking. But I will say maybe the best news is that it is less than a week since the last time we got together and recorded this podcast. One of the odds? so so to pat ourselves on the back just a little bit. We've done two in less than seven days as a part of what we talked about last week, which is yeah. hopefully being a little more regular a little more consistent staying on top of the news and staying current with news and happenings as well as sprinkling in you know some fun shows whether it's a you know six to eight month later you know revisit of rise of skywalker (laughs) or you know getting you through the gallery some other you know topical stuff there's plenty to talk about so i'd say the big news is we're recording twice
0: in less than a week so good on us back so, uh, for me, uh, the thing that I'm really excited about is, uh, as you are with uh, toys, I am with books. And uh, the new Shadowfall, Alphabet Squadron Shadowfall, just came out uh, two, mm-hmm. three days ago. On I think it dropped on the 23rd of June. Uh, it's by Alexander Freed again, who wrote the initial Alphabet Squadron. If you haven't read it, it's a really neat story. Alphabet Squadron follows a Republic Squadron post-Death uh, Star 2 destruction that is hunting down the 204th Imperial Wing called Shadow Wing. And it uh, introduces a lot of new and really cool characters. And um, it's really, it was a really good book. I enjoyed it, and I look forward to picking up Shadowfall. Outstanding.
1: But, well, speaking of books, um, since that's kind of where we're headed here for the next main part of the show, um, I will tag on to that as well. Um, I know that... I think due in August, we have the Poe free Freefall book Mm -hmm. that is slated to come out, and that is by Alex Segura. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm hoping that we're going to get a chance to talk about that some more in depth. Um, You know, some some fun stuff there. Also, because like you said, you have been much more of the book guy of our our duo, uh, I am trying to play a little bit of catch up. And it turns out I actually had several kindle audiobook credits hanging out that i wasn't aware of nice and so what i did is i went in and i have the rise of skywalker novelization because i do want to kind of get mm-hmm. you know, the other bits and sides and things that we haven't gotten out of there um i've started that i have the anthony anthony daniels biography that came mm-hmm. out most recently the imc3po and of course it's great because he reads it so that's a, that's a great way to go <laughs> and um and i also have the ahsoka book which i've always wanted to yeah pick up and get into, especially just based on, you know, the ending of Clone Wars and the way Ahsoka as that character has grown on me so much over the years. So I have those three for sure that I am trying to kind of get caught up and current on. And then I also still have, I think on my regular Kindle, I do have the Aftermath books that I want to get through. You can Um, slug
0: through the first Aftermath. The second Aftermath is one of the best books out there that is not written by Claudia Gray. Uh, in and the in the new um, canon, uh, if Claudia Gray and, writes oh, and I have lost stars. Yeah, lost stars. Now that you say that, I have lost stars. It's a great as well. book, and that's a young reader book. Uh, so, like, you have to remember that when you're reading it. But it really does. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, she did Bloodlines, which was just top notch. Right.
1: I loved Bloodline. I did read that one. I thought that was great. So, and also speaking of books, one more thing, and then we're going to jump in. Um, I don't know if we mentioned it last week when we talked, but they're also they have announced that they're going to do a empire strikes back edition of certain point of view.
0: So Mm -hmm. there's going to
1: be a new round of short stories related to characters and situations in and around empire, which, so that would be fun. I really
0: enjoyed the first one of those and thought there were some fun stories in there. (laughs) Um, well, of course the thing that we are really interested in is January, 2021 light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell drops and it focuses upon the time called the high Republic. This is after the Old Republic, which I was a big Knights of the Old Republic fan, as I think everybody who's a Star Wars fan is. You can still play Knights of the Old Republic uh, if, you, <laughs> if your heart so desires. But the High Republic is set just 200 years before, like, Phantom Menace. So yes. we're, we are closer to the prequels, but not not too terribly far. And this is what's been described as this is the peak of Jedi power this is the golden age of the Republic. Nobody is at war, and um, the entire story, this entire saga of the High Republic, commences with a great disaster. And did you get a chance to read the crawl uh, text, Nick, for the opening chapter? So this is going to be spoilering the first chapter, but of course not the book. Did you get to read the uh, the crawl of the first uh, chapter?
1: I think I did, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it was at the beginning of that opening, yeah. the first chapter they released. So
0: this is what the, the crawl <laughs> says, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, just to kind of set the stage. It says, the Force is with the galaxy. It is the time of the High Republic, a peaceful union of like-minded worlds where all voices are heard and governance is achieved through consensus, not coercion or fear. It is a time of ambition, of culture, of inclusion, and great works. Visionary Chancellor Lina So. I think I'm saying that right, leads the Republic from the elegant city world of Coruscant, located at the bright center of the galactic core. This sounds nothing like a, the beginning of a Star Wars. <laughs> but beyond the core and its many peaceful colonies, there is the Rim, inner, mid, and finally, at the border of what is known, the Outer Rim. These worlds are filled with opportunities for those who are brave enough to travel the well-mapped hyperspace lanes leading to them, though there is a danger as well. The Outer Rim is a haven for anyone seeking to escape the laws of the Republic and is filled with predators of every type. Chancellor So has pledged to bring the Outer Rim worlds into the embrace of the Republic through ambitious outreach programs such as Starlight Beacon. Order and justice are maintained on the galactic frontier by Jedi Knights, guardians of the peace who have mastered incredible abilities stemming from a mysterious energy field known as the Force. The Jedi work closely with the Republic and have agreed to establish outposts in the Outer Rim to help any who might require aid. The Jedi of the frontier can be the only source for the people and with nowhere else to turn. Though the outposts operate effectively, independently, and without direct assistance from the great Jedi Temple on Coruscant, they act as an effective deterrent to those who would do evil in the dark. And I love these last lines. Few can stand against the Knights of the Jedi Order, but there are always those who will try. Dun, <laughs> dun, dun. Dun, dun. That's right. Very, very
1: dramatic. It's a good lead-in. Like you said, it's a very different crawl than we have been used to over the course of the last everything we had. It didn't start with war, exclamation mark, or the dead speak. It's a very uplifting and positive, <laughs> and it, it, I think it sets off an early tone of kind of painting the idyllic nature of where the galaxy is at this point. And like you said, the golden era of, mm-hmm. you know, the Jedi and the Republic. I will say one thing that sparked in my mind as you reread that is I remember back in my EU days, I read a lot more EU books back, I think before I had kids and grown up jobs and had more time to read a bunch of nonsense in high school and college. Um, and I feel like it's in the original, the first Thrawn trilogy where we have our clone Luke and mm-hmm. Master Jorus Saboth. Yeah. Um, but were they not was it Jorus Saboth? Saboth Saboth, however we say that. Wasn't he a part of what was called the outbound flight or outbound there was some sort of project that reminds me of what you describe in that crawl where the chancellor is sending Jedi out into the outer rim. There was something that was called either the outbound flight or the outbound, I'm going to have I'm gonna have to look it up now, <clears throat> that had a similar feel to that. And that was something that kind of pinged in my brain as I heard you read that again.
0: Yeah, This and, idea and, of
1: se- sending teams of Jedi ambassadors, yeah. emissaries out into the Outer Rim to, you know, hopefully be diplomats and bring folks in. And I feel like that was a part of one of those earlier no longer canon trilogies and where he disappeared to.
0: Well, there, there are a few things that are quite interesting. One is it sets up this idea that there are Jedi out in the frontier, uh, that these outposts, though, operate independently and without a lot of connection to the temple and Coruscant. So I think what we might see is the type of Jedi who might take this assignment might be those who want to get out of the reach of Coruscant. Uh, for sure. reasons that that could be set up as something like that. I know that, you know, at one point we had the Jedi Civil War. I don't think that that's what we necessarily are going to get here. Um, we know that a great disaster, like I said, sets off this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we had the clue uh, in the crawl yes. with uh, that, you know, this is uh many hyperspace lanes lead to the auto Rim, though there is danger. And, of course, in Chapter 1, we uh we meet a ship called the Legacy Run. It's basically a big transport ship. We meet mm-hmm. Captain Hedda Kessett, who, <laughs> in a very short time, we get a really deep dive into who she is. Uh, which it's always a clue. yeah. I thought it
1: was set up so very well. Yeah, and in such a short period of time.
0: And I would say, like it, the writer uh, Charles Sewell, I you know did a really, I really enjoyed the first chapter. I thought he did a good job of character development. Especially, and are you our,
1: familiar with him? from his other stuff he did the Vader comic series
0: yeah
1: and did he do the Kylo Ren one as well I don't know the most recent one I'm not sure either I know he did that Darth Vader the Vader rising is that Mm -hmm. what it's called Um, so I know he's done that and he has a great reputation in Star Wars writing and of course being selected to be a part of this but I agree with you I thought the way they set that captain up in such a short period of time was very very well done oh yeah
0: I, I thought that you know that they they did a good job of explaining where they are, what they're doing, who, what's going on. I didn't feel lost, and right. I mean, and, and in all intents and purposes, you and I just got dropped into a time period of which we have no like no, uh, clue. no clue what's going on. Um, and so, I think it was great to begin it on a small ship, um, and and kind of because you feel like you can kind of build out from there. But of course, in the midst of this, uh, we we have this. This uh, this ship, the Legacy Run, making a hyperspace run, and we see that it gets destroyed, um, right. which doesn't seem like it's a big deal to me. Right. Uh, but I was reading what Sewell said uh, in his interview to ING, and this is what he said. He said, the destruction of the Legacy Run is the catalyst of a galaxy-wide disaster. Fragments right. of the destroyed cargo vessel begin flying out of hyperspace at super-accelerated speeds, meaning that deadly missiles of debris can appear anywhere at any time from the outer rim to the core. And so, um, you know, I was trying to think of what, like, famous, like, transport, ship, you know, destruction or whatever. And it was just like, it made me think of, like, this would be like if the Titanic hit Mm -hmm. the iceberg, but then randomly, like, pieces of the Titanic, like, hurtled into London and New York and San Francisco and... Sure. and that would cause a disaster I don't know how that sets off like what this is going to be like it's like I'm not right. very clear of what the trajectory of this story is but then um I also looked into uh who the bad guys are for the High Republic and have you read about them yet?
1: Mm-hmm. is this the the Viking pirates? yeah these you? are the
0: the Nihil <laughs> yeah and they are space pirate Vikings basically mm-hmm. which just sounds awesome and uh I read in one ING report that their, their motto... I don't know if this is official, like in the book, but or something that they made up for them, but it was, you can't take it with you, but we can take it from you. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that is an excellent space pirate motto.
0: So, but here's the thing. What they're known for is, they are known uh, for uh, basically doing some shady stuff with hyperspace. I don't know what that is. Okay. And so it, it makes you begin wondering... Was this an accident or was this something that was on purpose? Um, well,
1: well, and again, as my radar goes off, there's a, gosh, and now, and now it's been so long since I've read them. There's another EU connection that it makes me think of in either that same Thrawn trilogy or it, whether it's that newer Jedi Academy trilogy, there was a plot line where one of the planets that the empire was keeping in check was surrounded with asteroids and a lot of them were cloaked and there was, you know, it was this whole, it was to keep the planet in check. And so it was this idea of nobody can leave because they have no idea where these asteroids are, where these, you know, Mm -hmm. fragments of things that could hit them and explode them and kill them at any time. And it was a power move. And as you go through the book, spoilers for something that's not canon anymore, what they ultimately figure out is a lot of it was a ruse. And so, you know, of the, 100% of the sky around that planet, only like 2% of it may have actually had potential (laughs) collision risk. But it was something that the Empire had done as a way to control. So to me, again, it sounds like this, you know, questionable projectiles flying through space causing a risk. But is it caused on purpose? Is it controlled? Like what what else is going on there? Um, That, again, just pinged seeing some parallels. And I'm certainly not asserting that Charles Soule, you know, Swiped and swapped around all these things because I don't think that's it at all. It's just hard not to draw comparisons to what I've read to hearing these other versions of, you know, what we see well, or will see. Yeah, and
0: it, well, it made me think about like, okay, what you know, you had the, uh, you had uh, the attack of the ship uh, that ignited the Spanish-American War. You had the sinking mm-hmm. of the Lusitania, which ignited mm-hmm. war. I mean, and what you can quickly see is these kind of. These things, which might have seemed, uh, you know, looking back on it, we look at these things as, the, well, of course, that was the catalyst for this thing. But uh, for, you know, these great, uh, you know, tremendous moments in our history, uh, tremendous, not necessarily meaning good, but, um, but you know, so something as small as like a transport ship getting mm-hmm. uh, destroyed in hyperspace, to me, that doesn't seem like, well, that, that's probably something that happens all the time, right? Ships sink, ships get destroyed but um. until
1: somebody either claims responsibility or asserts responsibility and you know to bring it back to one of our other favorites the arc in the west wing where the passenger plane is shot down and it's the struggle about who did it what was the intent you know was it just a plane that it blew up you know there's always there's always a version of that like you're saying and so what are we going to see yeah, out of this story, and what is it going to do to the galaxy? What is it going to be the catalyst
0: for? And on top of it, we have apparently now debris raining across core worlds and mid rim worlds, and that's causing uh, that's causing some issues. Which um,
1: hyperspace risk?
0: Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see where they go with this. Uh, definitely, after reading chapter one, I'm really looking forward to January 2021. Not only just to get out of 2020. But to to see kind of where this goes. And, of course, this is this is kicking off a huge thing. This is not a one-book thing. This is not even a book thing. I do know that uh, there are two more books that are coming out of this, right. and that's Into the Dark by Claudia Gray and then A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. I don't know the order of publication on those. Yeah, I'm
1: not sure. But either. I know
0: there's also going to be a lot of comic books and a lot of other stuff. I know that there's not going to be – I think Lucas Lucasfilms has said there's not going to be any movies yet – and movies are on hold until 2022. Right. Uh, no movies based off of this. No video games. No. It's just going to be books and novels. Um, however, um, uh, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this is done. Because for, for what I'm understanding, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, this started back in September of 2018, this Project Luminous. And it was basically... Yes. A realization that Star Wars building the bridge as they were crossing it was not a good idea. And this right. is Star Wars attempting to do basically what the Marvel Studios did in regards to not, you know, not the Marvelization of Star Wars, but basically saying, we want to have a plan of where we're going. And so apparently, this has been about two years in the making to have this plan. And it, uh, it's kind of playing in the realm of the High Republic. And I think that's a good idea because they're starting fresh. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I looked it up, though, because I was curious, and you and I talked about it. I don't think Darth Bane is way in the past for this, and so is Darth Revan. Right. So I, I don't know if we're going to get any Sith. Uh, in my understanding, the Sith are in hiding right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's going to be really curious. I kind of would like a non-Sith. like Sith You know, enemy to some degree. Kind of like Thrawn was in the first Thrawn trilogy. I still love the character of Thrawn. I'm not digging him so much in the new Thrawn books because he's our protagonist and not our antagonist. He was a great antagonist. Um, And he's a fun protagonist, but he's a way better antagonist. So I think it's really neat. Uh, I I can't remember the name of him, but there was a, a race that came from like the unknown regions who were like able to counteract the Force. It didn't represent like the Sith, but were were an evil and a threat to the Republic, and, mm-hmm. and the Jedi had to fight them. And and that's right. of course now in Legends. But so it'd be really interesting. I, you know, I I would like to see the Nihil actually be the threat and not the threat behind the threat. I don't want the Nihil to be Snoke,
1: and <laughs> well, and we and and you don't want you don't want that to turn into Darth Nihilus either.
0: Yeah, I mean. <laughs>
1: Seems too easy. Seems too...
0: Yeah, there, there is a weird... Like, and also
1: probably wrong time period.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, but anyway, it just, it seemed really, it it seemed really kind of an interesting way. And it's not, once again, there's forces of good, there's forces of evil. We're going to see the forces of good, be tempted with evil, and then choose to be good at the end. I mean, I feel like we've we've done that. We've done that well. But this, to me, is setting up a more interesting, um, a more interesting thing that you can do, especially with books
1: well and what about the there are a couple of little fun details that stood out to me just in that first little chapter um one i love the description of that freighter Mm -hmm. and how the modular nature of it and how it could the main you know cargo area could be reconfigured for living quarters at one point they talked about how it was used to transport some sort of aquatic animal from somewhere to somewhere which of course had a very star trek four feel to it yeah um But also, and probably more significant on, I believe it's the cover of this book, because we've seen the covers of the three books, but is this the book, the one that has the cover that has the Wookiee Jedi? Yeah. Um, And so that's fun, and that's something that we've seen very, very small, you know, little bits and pieces here and there. Um, But to see a, you know, the more of the development of an actual Wookiee Jedi character will be very interesting to see that come about.
0: So I'm I'm excited about this. Uh, I think uh, only good things I'm seeing about this, and I've really enjoyed the first chapter. Encourage you to read it. I don't think it. Clearly, they did this because this book got pushed back. It was supposed to be being released this summer, and for some reason, it got pushed back. Right. And for what reason, I do not know. Um, and so, but I'm really excited because I think we get the new we get the new Poe Dameron book in August. Mm-hmm. We get the new Thrawn book in October, and then we get this book uh, in January. And so we we've really been we've really been without a lot of books lately. They kind of put a pause on a lot of things, and so right. now um, and so now we're kind of getting back into books. So this is a good time to catch up and, on books. And was Shadowfall on time? I believe that. Shadowfall was on time. Okay, because okay. Alphabet Squadron was a relatively well received book, so I, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyway, check out the first chapter on ING, and uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, Anything else for the good of the order, Nick?
1: Um, I think that has it covered for today.
0: All right. Well, hopefully we'll be back sooner rather than later. We're going to (laughs) try. And uh, uh, may the Force be with you, always. Always. Always.